So uh, I know it says in your bulletins we'll be uh, reading 46 to 55 and 67 to 79. Um, As I was going through it this week, uh, it was just too much. Uh, There's too much good stuff in there to cover. So we're just going to be looking at uh, 46 uh, through 55 this morning. And uh, this is Mary's song, also called the Magnificat. So Luke 1, verses 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. You may be seated. If you would, please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts may be pleasing and honoring in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I was a little nervous yesterday after the men's breakfast. I was told that we were expecting snow again today, and I thought, man, this is the same date as our Christmas party, like, we're not going to be able to have this again, but uh, thankfully it has held off. I don't know, maybe by the time we're out of here, maybe it'll start snowing. That'll be, that would be wonderful. Um, it'll feel like I'm back in Chicago. But um, uh, Stephanie and I had a great time uh, over Christmas. We hope that you guys enjoyed the Christmas holiday as well. Uh, Let me say Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, It's great to be in 2014. Uh, Where does the time go? It seems like years are going by quicker and quicker. Uh, Maybe that's what happens when you have kids. They just seem to fly right by. But um, we had a great time in Nashville. Uh, We had a great time of rest with family, uh, celebrating the the holiday season. And uh, that was enjoyable, but it is always good to be back. uh, we took down our Christmas decorations over the weekend, which is always a sad thing because uh, my wife uh, loves Christmas. She loves to decorate and she does a good job with it. So it's, in a sense, back to life as normal. Um, but I don't want it to be life as normal. Uh, we prayed uh, this morning as elders uh, that we would have the heart to the spirit of Christmas all year round. That we would be able to celebrate the fact that Christ is born. Not just on Christmas Day, but every day, uh, that we would have that joy that we have. Um, Because a couple of weeks ago we had uh, to cancel church and our our Christmas party, uh, the sermon schedule got a little mixed up a little bit. Um, If you were here on Christmas Eve, uh, we actually looked at Luke 2, 1 through 20. Well, we're going to backtrack a little bit in Luke. We're going to pick up uh, with Mary's song. We had skipped over it and uh, Zechariah's song as well, so that we could stay on track to make sure that we read Luke 2 on Christmas Eve, which is very important. So um, 
Uh, we're going back and picking up Mary's song and Zechariah's song uh, next week. So that's why we're kind of jumping around a little bit, and then we'll get back into to, uh, the proper order of Luke. But um, in, in Luke, he is one of the Gospels that records four songs. Uh, four songs that are recorded at about the time of Jesus' birth, either um, when um, he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary. Uh, there's one that is at John's birth, and then also two after Jesus was born, one with the angels and one with Simeon in the temple. Um, these are very special songs. We know that they're special because theologians have given them Latin names. Whenever theologians give something a Latin name, it's something that we should take notice of. So we have here, uh, not Mary's song, it's the Magnificat. So if you want to sound like you know what you're talking about theologically, you can say, uh, call it the Magnificat, um, which basically is the word magnify in Latin. Um, it's how the song begins. Uh, Zechariah's song is called the Benedictus. We'll get to that next week. Uh, the angel's song is called Gloria, because glory, um, they say glory to God in the highest. And then uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll get to Simeon's song, which is the Nuke Dimittis, um, which uh, means now dismiss. He says, now dismiss your servant. Um, uh, because he has seen the Lord. But uh, this morning we're going to look at Mary's song. We're not only going to look at the context, or the contents, excuse me, of Mary's song, but the fact that she sings. The fact that she sings is also very important. You know that songs have a, a certain quality in our lives. They, they seem to define moments in our lives. Um, I remember certain songs that have defined certain moments in my life. Uh, my wedding day uh, was defined uh, in song by the song In Christ Alone. Uh, we had a trio of our friends sing that song because it was something that was very special to Stephanie and I. And so whenever I sing that song now, I think of our wedding day. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, I took a mission trip to West Virginia with some students. Every morning... As we were heading out to the work site, we would, well, I would, since I was in control of the radio, uh, I would pop in a CD and I would turn it as loud as I could, and the song was How He Loves uh, by David Crowder. And we would listen to that as we were heading to the work site. Um, other songs, uh, the song, when we sing Prince of Peace, uh, we sing that on occasion. Uh, reminds me of my days at Kelvin College when I first heard it, uh, and we would sing that uh, very often. Uh, the old hymn, Victory in Jesus, uh, reminds me of my grandfather. Just, just thinking of songs um, are, are very powerful. And uh, this is the medium that Mary uses uh, to glorify the Lord. And what Luke records here in uh, Luke 1, starting at verse 46. You see, what songs do, what music does to us, is it, it gives us a, a heightened form of expression. Um, it causes us to, to feel things, to express things in ways uh, beyond the ordinary. And it also causes us to, in a sense, slow down and savor what is happening. Songs capture our attention. They capture our emotions in very powerful ways. Ways 
and they help us to remember things that are happening. The things that I have mentioned already. Um, imagine watching a movie without a soundtrack. Um, when you think of movies, you can think of... I can name a movie and you can think of the soundtrack, whether it's Star Wars or Indiana Jones or Jurassic Park or E.T., Forrest Gump, others. You know the song by... or you know the, the movie by the song. They are very powerful. And they, they conjure up emotion in us. Uh, because of the power of song and the power of music, we worship God through song. Imagine a worship service without song of some sort. Now, I know that there are some denominations that, that don't have instrumentation, but they still have song that is very beautiful. Imagine coming here on a Sunday morning and not singing. That would be odd, right? Because one of the ways that we worship God in a very powerful way is through song. The book of Psalms is a whole book that is dedicated to song, to poetry, to worshiping and honoring God through that medium. It's very important because of the power that it has in our lives. Now, seeing as it is the first Sunday of the year, uh, I don't know if, if many of you made resolutions for the coming year. Um, my wife and I talked about that a little bit. Um, I'll be talking about that at the end. Um, but one of the things that is, I feel like is important as we begin is to re- be reminded of, of who we are as a church. Uh, this past summer, uh, when we were on our, excuse me, this past fall, when we were on our elders and deacons retreat, we, we came up with a mission and a vision for who we are as a church, for where we feel God has gifted us and where we feel like we are, are heading as a church. Um, I, and I do believe, Raybell, you put it on the front of the newsletter as well. This, thank you for doing that. Um, you probably didn't know that I'd be bringing it up in the sermon this morning either. That's how God works sometimes. But, um, but the mission of our church is this. We had decided that Trinity Fellowship Church desires to glorify God by equipping believers to worship God and be witnesses of Him in central Arkansas and to the ends of the earth. That is what we are about. We are about being, uh, of worshiping God and being witnesses of Him to God's glory. And our vision, how we accomplish that, is by being a Bible-believing, Christ-centered, grace-filled, gospel-driven community where every member is equipped and encouraged to minister and witness according to their God-given ability. Now, these are just statements. And I know a lot of organizations have mission statements, they have vision statements, and you see them up on the wall, and maybe it permeates into the culture of that organization, but maybe it doesn't. Um, These are things that I want us to be constantly reminded of, of of who we are and why we do the things that we do. Um, Because it's very important uh, to remember why we do the things that we do. So in order to accomplish our mission and vision, um, there's kind of four things that we're all about. And this is where, hopefully this is easy to remember. We're about upreach here at Trinity. And that is our worship, our our reach up to the Lord, to God. Uh, Our primary task is worship of the Lord. 
but we're also about um, outreach, and that is mission. We are called to be witnesses for the Lord here in, uh, in our church, in central Arkansas, and to the ends of the earth. Uh, so we do outreach. But we're also about inreach. Our name is Trinity Fellowship Church. There's a reason for that. Uh, I feel like it reflects our character, who we are as a body. We do well at fellowship, and that's important for us as a family to fellowship well. So we have upreach and outreach and inreach and then downreach as well, um, capturing all the, the directions. And that's our, our training, our growing in Christ, our, our education um, to, uh, to become better equipped to, to be better worshipers and to be better witnesses. So what I'd like to do uh, is to each year to focus on one of these things. And this year, what I'd like our focus to be as a church is on upreach, is on worship, because that is what we are about. That is why we gather together on a Sunday morning, is for worship. But it's not just on Sunday morning, it's about our entire lives, our worship. The first question and answer of the catechism, what is the chief end of man? I should have all you guys recite it for me. But you should know, it's to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That is what we are about. Worship is why, a worship of God is why the church exists. Now, we often come to church uh, on a Sunday morning for a variety of reasons. Uh, if we're honest, um, sometimes it's because we feel obligated, like we need to be there. Uh, sometimes we come for the sake of our children. I want my kids to be in church. Uh, sometimes it's just we feel like we're supposed to. Um, and sometimes we come because we are drawn and we want to honor and praise and worship God. Well, I need your help. Because worship often is looked at as a spectator sport. And I don't feel like worship is a spectator sport. I, feel, uh, I believe that worship is actually something that we do together. One of the things that we do is we sing songs Together. We don't have a soloist up here who sings our songs to us. Uh, we sing together as a congregation. We worship together, and that is very important. Um, we have elders like Daryl up here who help lead. Uh, we have people collecting the offerings, and occasionally we'll have other musicians. Uh, we had John Hawk uh, a couple of weeks ago. We have Sean and Lindsay sing for us. We've heard testimonies, and these are good things. Um, I would like to have more participation in our congregation, uh, to give you more opportunity to help us worship. Uh, I told our new members class just recently that they have been given gifts and talents uh, that we need as a body. Our body has been gifted tremendously, um, and we need to utilize one another's gifts and talents. Um, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I am not a great guitar player. Now, I may not be um, arrested or told by a police officer like a Steve Sanford that I shouldn't play the guitar again, as, uh, as he was when he left Northside, uh, but, um, but I know that there are people who have gifts and talents musically, um, and we need you. We need you for our worship, um, so that uh, we can have a better guitar player than myself um, to, to worship. Um, if you have any other gifts and talents, 
We need you in our worship. Um, As the body of Christ, we need each other and the gifts that God has given to us to edify our body. Um, We've been doing children's sermons recently, once a month. Um, If anyone would like to help with that, to present a children's sermon, please come talk to me, um, because that is a great way that we can help out. Um, Testimonies, hearing of what God has done in our lives are very powerful. Uh, We heard testimonies after uh, we went to Oklahoma to help with the tornado relief there. Um, God is doing amazing things in and through us, and we need to hear those things. So um, uh, I will be approaching people as well, um, but if you have something that you would like to do in worship, please come talk to me, because God has gifted you, and we need you in worship. We are a family, and we need each other. Um, We are the body of Christ. So we're going to be focusing this, this year on worship, what it means, um, and um, participating together in worship with one another. And uh, my prayer is that God would raise up not only people in our midst, but also bring people to us as well as we grow, um, who can uh, be a benefit to us and to our body. So Mary sings a song. And it's very powerful, the fact that she sings and that it's a song because of uh, how powerful, how moving that medium is. But it's not only the fact that she sings, it's what she said um, that is also extremely important. Her message that she sings is very, very powerful. So Mary, in her song here, her focus is on the Lord. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You see, the focus is on God and it is not on herself. When we come to the next verse, it says, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. It seems when you first read this that, well, if you say Mary's focus is on the Lord, why is she talking about how blessed she is? Why is she, in a sense, exalting herself? Well, if you remember Mary and her humility, when the angel comes to her, she is surprised by the greeting. The angel says that you are blessed. And in a sense, she's saying, me? Are you you talking to me? When she is saying that she is blessed here, that all generations will call her blessed, I believe that Mary is still in, in a sense, a state of disbelief. In a sense, all generations will call me blessed. She is blown away by the fact that the Lord has come to her to give her this great blessing, probably the greatest blessing that has ever been given to a woman, to bear the Son of God. She is blown away by the fact that God would show her Such a great blessing. She is simply overcome. It's not an arrogant statement. It's a statement of shock and and almost of disbelief. She's amazed by what God is doing. And then she goes on to describe the attributes of God. She says, He is mighty. He is holy. He has mercy. He has shown strength. He is strong. He has scattered the proud. 
as any good and proper act of worship is, Mary focuses her attention fully and wholly on the Lord and on His greatness. When she comes to worship Him, it's not about her. Her eyes are lifted up and it's about the Lord. So her focus is not only on the Lord and who He is, but it's also on His work, what He has done and what He will do. Mary's song demonstrates this great paradox of, what, uh, of how God operates. You see, God is very counterintuitive. He's very countercultural. If you look out at our culture, what we tend to do is we tend to exalt the things that are, I don't know, we feel are elite, that are spectacular. We exalt professional athletes. We exalt, you know, musicians, um, people who, in a sense, are, are of a, a special breed. And we exalt those people. And we hold them, uh, we put them on, on pedestals. Um, but the way God operates is different. He operates according to different standards. What Mary says here and what we read throughout Scripture is that God exalts the humble. And he humbles the exalted. Later on, she says that he satisfies the hungry, but he sends away the rich empty-handed. And this is all the mercy of God. You see, this is the true nature of how God operates. This is the nature of the gospel. You see, Mary's song reminds us that we are saved by God through faith in Christ. You know, this is counterintuitive. This is countercultural. So often we, we struggle with sin and we try our hardest to overcome it in our own strength, but this is not how God operates. If we just try harder or just do better, we feel like God will accept us. This is not the truth of the gospel. Instead, forgiveness of sins is offered to us when we admit the fact that we are sinners. When we humble ourselves, when we place our faith and trust in someone else, when we place our faith and trust in Christ and what He has done, that is when we experience salvation. This is how God has operated in the past and how He will continue to operate in the future. God is faithful and true and does not change like shifting shadows. I think this is why our culture struggles sometimes with the gospel. Because we do tend to exalt those who are elite. But what God says, well, if you truly want to be great, you must become a servant. If you want to be first, you must become the last. When God calls us to follow Christ, He calls us to take up our cross and to follow Him. That's not, uh, the cross is not a symbol of, uh, of eliteness, of being put on a pedestal. It's a, it's a sign of sacrificing yourself. It's becoming low. And in the end, we will be exalted. So as we look out over 2014, I can't believe that it's 2014 already. Um... um 
on the new year, typically we make resolutions, things that we'd like to do in this upcoming year. As I said before, Stephanie asked me recently about my resolutions. Um, I'm really good at making resolutions. It's really hard for me to always keep resolutions. Uh, One thing I did keep last year, um, mostly until the end of the year, I kind of reverted back, but I'm still doing it well, um, is I reverted to black coffee last year. Um, I used to take it like my wife, which, you know, lots of cream and sugar make it taste good. Um, But uh, I have been drinking black coffee, so that's one resolution over the last year that I've kept. Um, One of the things that I typically do and renew every January is to read the Bible through again this year, and uh, I'm uh, setting out to do that as well. Uh, This year I'm following uh, Robert Murray McShane's um, Bible reading plan, if you're familiar with that. It's reading through the, the Old Testament and New Testament one time. Um, uh, excuse me, Old Testament once, New Testament and the Psalms twice. Uh, so I'll be doing that this year um, to, to help me stay focused and, and in the Word. Um, and um, this year, honestly, I'd like us as a church to, to resolve, uh, to make a resolution to focus on our worship and our relationship with the Lord. And Mary's song is a good springboard for that. Um, Because what she does when she receives this great news, when she goes to Elizabeth's house um, and is spending time with her, she reacts in worship to the Lord. Her life is one of worship. And I would love for this place to be a place of heightened worship as we come together as a family But you know that church isn't the only place that we worship. We're called to worship God throughout our entire lives. Our lives should be continual acts of worship to the Lord. We need to ask God to reveal ways to us that we are not worshiping Him as we should, so that we can give Him the praise and the honor that He deserves. We need to make a point to engage in personal worship with the Lord. It's very important to engage with Him privately through the reading of Word and through prayer, through even singing songs to Him, if that's uh, what you um, would like to do. But we also need to engage in worship together as a family. We talked this morning in our Sunday school class about the qualifications of an elder. We're starting nominations now for the office of elder. And one of the qualifications is to uh, to rule his family well, because if he can't lead his family well, how can he lead the church? One of the ways that we lead our families well as men is to engage in worship with our families. Uh, my children are young, and family worship is not always easy. Sometimes it is a train wreck, I will tell you. Um, I will have the greatest and grandest plans, and this is going to be incredible and someone has to go to the bathroom, and somebody spills their milk, and something else happens. And, um, but we try. And I would encourage you men uh, to lead your family in worship. Uh, we do breakfast, because that's the, the time that I'm most often there. Uh, we read a devotional, we pray together, and uh, we usually sing a song. Uh, like I said, it's not always pretty. Uh, sometimes the song we sing, songs we sing are loud, they're off-key, um, but it's the heart that matters. Um, So I would encourage you to engage in worship together as a family and also uh, with your spiritual family, which is who we are. Uh, We're the spiritual family. Um, And I want to give you permission 
Uh, someone very wise in our congregation said to me uh, that sometimes people need permission to do things. Um, well, I give you permission to worship. Uh, I give you permission to come and to participate with us. To not just be a spectator, but to offer your gifts to us. Because we need it. Uh, we need you in our worship. So, maybe one of your resolutions this year is to engage in worship with the Lord. Uh, another resolution from Mary uh, is to embrace the paradox of the gospel and to allow God to turn our worlds upside down. Uh, may we say, like Mary, that the Lord has looked upon the humble estate of us, his servants. And may the Lord see in us people who are truly humble, placing the attention on our great God rather than on ourselves. May we embrace the truth that the way to salvation is through humbling ourselves, making ourselves low, and having Christ lift us up as he was lifted on the cross to save us from our sins. It's fitting for us this morning uh, usually we have communion the first Sunday of every month. I think it is a very fitting way for us to kick off the new year. At the table, we're reminded of and we celebrate a Savior who humbled himself on our, on our behalf that we might be saved. And at the table, we're reminded of a Savior who emptied himself so that we might be filled. At the table, we acknowledge that our good deeds are never good enough to earn our salvation or to earn favor with God. And so we lay them aside. And at the table, we cling to Christ. And it's fitting for us to celebrate this sacrament on the first Sunday because it sets the tone for us for the year. It places the focus on the Lord and on what He has done for us in Christ. So as we prepare to come to the table this morning, if you are a member in good standing of an evangelical church, we invite you to come and to partake of this supper. If you have not yet put your faith in Christ, we ask that you would simply let the elements, the bread and the juice, to pass you by. Come talk to me, one of the elders, one of the members of our church after the service. We would love to share the gospel and answer any questions you may have. Uh, parents with children who haven't yet publicly professed their faith, uh, use this as a great opportunity to share the gospel with them. Daddy, what is the bread? What does that mean? Or what is the juice? What, is it, what does it mean that Christ's blood was shed? It is a great opportunity to share the gospel with your children. But we need to prepare as we come. And one of the ways that we prepare is through song, because of the powerful medium that it is, the expression. So if you would, take your hymnals with me. And uh, I lost my bulletin, so I don't know which number we got. 237. Uh, if you could turn to number 237, What Can Wash Away My Sin? Uh, let's stand and sing number 237. <laughs> 